0: Welcome back to another week of Off the Rails Podcast, brought to you by me, Jason Santiago. In this particular week's episode, we're going to get a chance to take a look at week one of the fall season. And now that it's in the books and looking ahead at uh, week two, we'll see how teams fared in that first week to see who's moving up, who's moving down. Uh, A lot of action and definitely um, some exciting little bits of news here or there with getting a chance to introduce a brand new squad in Puerto Rico. And seeing you know if any continuing trends are going on like our real hawks freaking uh, crap in the bed uh, yeah we'll get, we'll get to that, that that kind of good stuff um, in, in just a couple minutes but yeah we'll we'll take a look back at this week one of the fall season and, um, see the see what that good action happened there and the back end of the episode um, we'll get a chance to take a look at week two and also kind of taking a peek in at some major tournaments going on not only within our country but around the world as well. So without any further ado, let's go ahead and talk about week one of the fall season. Let's go through the matchups that took place, and um, we'll you know spend a little, obviously a little more time with our Red Hawks matchup. So I'll, again, I'll save that one for last. Uh, first up to talk about, we had Fort Lauderdale Strikers hosting Miami FC. Now one little asterisk I want to put by that Fort Lauderdale Striker matchup is that they did have that weekday matchup. Leading into the weekend for a US Open Cup match, which they had a very emotional win on the road to advance in the US Open Cup. I'll get to more good stuff like that, uh, you know, in back in when I talked about the US Open Cup. But, you know, the strikers, I could understand that they're coming a little bit fatigued, not as much rest. I'm um, having a very short week and very short turnaround. I um, have to do a very small degree of travel since they had, did get a chance to stay in state. Um, but they ended up tying 1-1 against Miami my, Miami FC. This, to me, came out as a little bit of a, of a surprise. I think going into it, I was expecting Fort Lauderdale to beat Miami uh, mm-hmm. since Fort Lauderdale. You know, to be fair, Fort Lauderdale, they have been a pretty crummy home team uh, throughout the entire NASL season. But Miami, they've been in the pits. They've been the worst of the worst. So I don't know how much more you expected out of them. Again, Miami being the second worst road team versus fort Lauderdale who was only you know a little bit below average um, eighth best home team one to one is you know not not overly surprising uh, but based off how this uh, game again uh, fanned out or, I'm sorry panned out um, Gale, as um, Agbus Omonde, um <laughs> former Reloc used to be able to say that so well uh, but yeah Gale was able to get a uh, a nice goal in the 53rd minute. Um, to tie it up 1-1. Um, and not to any surprise, Miami, their only guy who's really been scoring for them all season, um, when you look back at the spring, has been Svidanic. Um, let's see. Yeah, and that was in the 18th minute um, off of a PK, which, again, that's kind of been his M.O. He's, he's been their go-to guy for Miami to take any sort of uh, PK opportunities. So, yes, that was uh, one point to each side. Um, so Miami, you do get that precious little point. Um, good job to you, and I mean, it's more than we could say at least. Uh, but take a look, taking a look at a couple other matchups, let's go back. So let's uh, venture to the Cosmos, who are going to be a heavy, heavy favorite against Ottawa. Now the Cosmos, they're going to be without Nico because Nico he did go off to the Rangers. Um, so the Cosmos being an undefeated, perfect team um, at Hofstra. Um... You know they, they get a chance to, to host Ottawa, and Ottawa you know pretty much failboating boating uh, from expectations coming off, off of last year. Uh, New York Cosmos they did win one nothing. Uh, the goal scores here we had the for the Cosmos Moffitt getting a ninth minute penalty kick goal, and right right before halftime, um, Lucky was able to finally once see the pitch probably with Nico leaving. Um, but Lucky was able to get a nice goal right before halftime to go up 2-0. Uh, but it wasn't until stoppage time at the end of the game where Otto was able to squeak in a goal of their own to make it the scoreline a little bit more manageable. Um, one thing to note, though, is uh, very early on in the match, in the fourth minute, Paisera did get a fourth-minute red card. So, no, they didn't have to play with no goalie. But, I mean, shoot, to have Pizer would have to come off the field... Um, I mean, it was pretty de- uh, detrimental uh, for them. Um, but, I mean, as as it stands, I mean, having to play a, a man down against the Cosmos, a great home team, um, they're going to be screwed <laughs> no matter what. I'm sorry, I'm not going to put it lightly. They're going to be screwed uh, in that particular setting. Uh, so Cosmos, they take care of business, and that means for the NASL season, they're now perfect six wins out of six home games. Uh, overall, So they were also able to reclaim first place in the overall standings because of that win. So good job for them. Uh, next up matchup to talk about, Puerto Rico FC versus Indy 11. So Indy 11, the kings of not losing versus Puerto Rico, a team that was going to have a lot of hype going into their very first NASL matchup or of their Puerto Rico relaunch. Now, I say relaunch. They're no longer the Puerto Rico Islanders. They're Puerto Rico FC, so technically a different entity, different ownership and everything. Glad to see Carmelo Anthony, I guess because NBA is now officially in their off season, Carmelo Anthony also made a presence at that game. So cool for those fans getting a chance to, to see Carmelo in person. Um, but that the game, you know, I was actually thinking Indy probably should take care of business and beat Puerto Rico. But surprisingly, Puerto Rico put a lot of emotion behind the game, when they were able to come out with a 1-1 draw. So good job, Indy, to not losing again. (laughs) So they uh, do slip in the standings and the overall standings because, again, they were tied in points with the Cosmos uh, going into the combined standing. um, But now Indy uh, does slip back a little bit with Cosmos reclaiming that lead. But anyways, as far as that matchup goes, who are your goal scorers? Because, again, everyone in Puerto Rico is going to be fairly new faces. Well, I see that, but Puerto Rico, because we haven't really talked about their actual squad. Um, they do have a couple familiar faces uh, that you guys um, may know. For example, they do have Chris Nurse, who was a real hawk last year, as well as just a couple names um, that you should be familiar with if you've been following the NASL over the past couple years uh, just for example, um, let's see, uh, David Me- uh, Meves, um, uh, an ASL journeyman, as well as the Mendez brothers, um, an ASL journeyman. So, again, a team that I'm still trying to, to learn about. Uh, again, the only true former Railhawk that you guys would probably be familiar with would be Chris Nurse, who did play for us last year. Uh, your goal scorers. The goal scorers for the matchup ended up being. Uh, Let's see, Ramos for uh, Puerto Rico FC, as well as Eula for Indy 11. Now, taking a look at Indy 11, again, they're going to be a scary team with Eamon Zayed uh, still on their side. Though Zayed did not get the goal, um, he was still a pretty impactful player. You know, he didn't pick up the assist or anything, but still a very impactful player. Um, I mean, take a look at his stat lines, one of the more dominant men on the pitch, um, so he's definitely going to be a threat for not only the potentially a golden boot on this season, um, but you know, likely going to be a, a top eleven at once the season is all said and done if he continues on his trajectory. All right, so that was that matchup. Another matchup to talk about. The next matchup to talk about is going to be, oh wow, surprise, a Florida Derby game of Tampa Bay versus Jacksonville. This game did tie one one, and not too much of a surprise. Tampa. Um, well, I say not too much of a surprise. Jacksonville, again, they're a very pitiful uh, team on the road, never winning ever before. But Tampa just an average home team. So the fact that it's just an in-state game, um, you know, pretty emotionally driven, uh, the game was going to uh, play out to a pretty even um, I guess a, a, a effort on, on the field, uh, I probably would have expected Tampa Bay to win. Uh, probably like a two to one game, but you know, in such a close in-state matchup and rivalry, anything could happen. Anything could happen. All right, um, not to go over too much of too specifics of too many matchups. The uh, last one I want to talk about, non-Relhocks-wise, the uh, o- rare OKC they drew FC Edmonton, which I did call this one. I did call this one 1-1 last week in my prediction. Um, large reason because OKC being absolutely the worst home team, and Edmonton being a middle-tier away team. Um, I mean, OKC—they have not been playing up to expectations at home, despite them being uh, decent-ish on the road. Um, when I say decent-ish, actually the second-best away team, but just unfortunately worst home team. Sorry, OKC fans, especially coming off the back of your beloved uh, Kevin Durant <laughs> leaving your basketball team. Um, not a good, not a good time to be OKC um, uh, fan, of, I guess overall right now. But maybe your your luck will turn a little bit as the season progresses. I think, and if I'm not mistaken, I think OKC still had to be sitting out a couple of their stars because of some red cards you guys picked up at the tail end of the spring. But anyways, a 1-1 draw um, for that particular matchup. So the last one to talk about is our Carolina Railhawks traveling all the way to Minnesota. How did that go? Oh, let's see. Well, by halftime, we were down 3-0. And hey, I'm glad that we finally scored. Unfortunately, we lost 5-1. Our lone goal did come in the 90th minute, so better late than never. Uh, we did have a 90th minute goal by Matt Watson, uh, assisted by Nas Al-Badawi. So great job, Al-Badawi. Um, great job, Matt Watson, for um, getting into the into the stat lines. Extremely frustrated by, uh, by this production that we're getting out of our team right now. Very, very frustrated. Um, we saw that last season... Brian Shriver really struggled in in Tampa, playing on um, the midfield wing, which is where we moved him to, uh, not only at the end of the spring, but uh, our experiment right now. So my concern with that is that he's playing in a position that he's not most comfortable with. But with that said, whatever what what is our quote unquote solution up front? We we did put in Schuler, and Schuler seems to be having a very good work rate. He's not. Producing. I mean, I, again, I'm not pointing fingers at Schuler. I just think chemistry-wise, our offensive attack is not there. I mean, when another game without Chipolani making a presence, of course, is going to hurt uh, no matter what. Um, I, I mean, chipolani he was at the game as a substitute, but um, did not have playing time. I know he did have some family issues to attend to at the end of last year. So I don't know if that time off just didn't make him match fit or if there was any injuries he was dealing with. But anyways, we did try to bring in Ali Hassan, uh, but it was too little, too late. Um, it just wasn't enough. Um, let's see, what time did we bring him in? We brought in Hassan in the 57th minute uh, for Shuler, uh, after Schuler was really not able to produce much whatsoever. Um, I mean, I was excited to see Hassan t- take the pitch, uh, but we just, we, we just couldn't make anything happen. We... I mean, bottom line, this is the reason why we we had signed in the off season uh, a brand new uh, forward um, with uh, with Fondy from uh, Orlando. I'm sorry, listen, to me Orlando um, from Jacksonville. But Fondy, I mean, he had no goals in um, for Jacksonville. I mean, he may have, he may have had one, but um, I'm trying to remember, but I've top of my head. I think he maybe had one. But I don't think he. I actually don't think he had any. Uh, as far as forward and our attacks go, I'm, I'm desperately concerned uh, what we're going to be trying to figure out. I feel like any goals that we're going to get is you know just scrapping at, at whatever. Uh, just seeing whatever junk goals that we might be able to muster up. And it's going to come down to playing stellar defense. But when you're currently the worst team with allowing goals and the worst team in actually scoring goals, this is a very bad trajectory. With our scoreline of losing five to one, we gave Christian Ramirez. And I shouldn't say gave, because Christian definitely earned it with some of the spectacular goals that he scored. Um, but Ramirez was able to get a hat trick. Pino was able to get in a goal. Calvano was able to get in a goal. And even though we led up, you know, five goals, uh, we actually got a chance to play a decent margin of the game, um, up a man in the 67th minute. Uh, Jeb. Brovski for Minnesota had a red card, so we actually had what twenty three minutes up a man, and over that time period we matched them one goal apiece. For Christ's sake, guys! Um, I mean, this I know that we're we're making this look hard a lot harder than than it it should. We're not a bad defensive team. We're really not. We dominated possession. I mean, I think we. I mean, possession wise, I think we're over sixty percent. But for some reason, I mean, our, our shooting is abysmal. We started off the season as one of the best shooting teams with great shot accuracy. Uh, we were getting shots on our target at a great rate. Um, I mean, right now we're shooting 33% accuracy. We had points in, in earlier in, the, in this uh, in this year that we were dominating the the league in our shot accuracy. Uh, I just we're, we're just not that team that that we were the first four weeks. Not even close. I think a lot of other teams finally cut up to us. I mean, I was saying this over those four weeks. I was saying this to it to um, whether it's at tailgating or on the podcast. And I think early season chemistry was going to help us to have some early success, but other teams were going to catch up unless unless we actually showed some growth. Unfortunately, our growth has been poop. We've had <laughs> our growth has been very terrible. Um, I don't know if if this continues. Colin Clark, I really enjoy his leadership. And I'm definitely rooting for the guy to have success with our team, but if we're continuing a downwards trajectory, and the effort level is continuing to diminish, something has to change. Is it do we need more players? Do we need a different coaching regime? I I mean that's why I do podcasts. I don't I don't I don't coach. I have no idea what the, what the correct solution is going to be, uh, but something is going to need to change. Uh, as far as uh, who we have in terms of I think. Who should continue as absolute staples for the team? I mean, Fitzgerald has absolutely proved himself being a very capable goalie. He's just been hung out to dry so many times. Again, having a, a game with Akira allowing five goals—what? I mean, that's—I mean, you don't expect that. But when you actually go back and look at the goals that were scored, I mean, I mean, though Akira didn't have a ton of saves this game, he was truly hung out to dry in a lot of oppor- a lot of times when um, when we were allowing those goals. So it really—it's hard to put your finger on exactly what the issue is. I think there's so many fissures right now in um, in, in our problems. Um, I mean, we're, we're gonna—we're gonna need need some things fixed. I think bottom line, we we need better attacking in order to give a better threat. Keep teams more honest versus us, as opposed to just shut on it, shut down our defense, and counter us, counter us to death, um, and control the ball. We we need to scare some teams with. Uh, an offensive prowess something that existed early on but has totally gone away i think we're very disrespected for deserved reasons i think we're just being very disrespected right now by a lot of teams sitting back waiting for us to fumble Um, i mean our mo has been let's get the ball close to the uh to the larger goal box and continue to just pass the ball around um eventually before we decide to ever take a shot we lose the ball I mean that's we we've, we we've seem to play so timid on offense, and for the times that we start getting more to the sp- uh, spray and pray mentality. I mean we're not even close to even putting the ball on target. So, I mean if you're gonna, if you're trying to pass the ball around to try to find the perfect shot, yet having horrendous shot accuracy. I mean, what are we doing? What are we doing out there? Uh, but I I really hope I really hope that we can start figuring it out a little bit more effectively. So. Again, not to sound, make this sound like old doom and gloom, I think we have a lot of talent on the team. I think we're not. I think we're still in the bottom half in terms of pure talent, uh, but I, I still think because of the pieces we have, we've shown we can, we can play with great chemistry. We just need to get a confidence boost and potentially um, make a run stemming off of uh, a little bit of a, conf- a confidence spike. Okay, let's take a look at this coming week for week two of the fall season and see the matchups and some expectations based off of how teams are performing so far so probably the least interesting matchup of the uh, upcoming week is going to be jacksonville hosting puerto rico i say list least interesting because jacksonville again being a bottom of the table team versus puerto rico a brand new team yeah you have the exciting factor of seeing if puerto rico's for real considering that they tied um the previous first place nasl team i guess it'll be a good miss test for puerto rico if if they're going to actually be competitive if puerto rico could come out and beat jacksonville um, that'll definitely show that Puerto Rico is ready to be a true NASL um, team potentially, and, and i mean also prove that Jacksonville's a crap team <laughs> as well. But my expectation is probably this game is going to likely come down to a draw. Uh, again, Puerto Rico trying to ride a high, uh, being a brand new team and you know not knowing who they are yet. You don't know what you don't know, and they might be you know shooting a little bit higher than who they really are at least for the moment. So again, maybe one-one uh, draws likely what I'm going to be expecting there. We have a Redhawks hosting Tampa Bay Rowdies. Hey, we get to introduce uh, Joe Cole to our local fans um, with, with Tampa. Uh, so I'm I'm very very excited for this particular matchup. Um, I know it's going to be uh, kind of our our prelude to a midweek game that we're going to be having to against um, against West Ham United. So hopefully we can have a really good um, sh- uh, turnout. Uh, Fans, I know the turnout for West Ham is going to be ridiculous. That's going to be awesome. That's going to be amazing. We'll we'll definitely get to that next week. Uh, But, you know, us bringing in Tampa, how has Tampa been doing on the road? Uh, They've they've been the third best away team, which is very surprising. Last season, they were one of the worst away teams, and they have really turned it around to be one of the best um, away teams for this particular year. I would not be surprised if we struggle and (sighs) – I mean, I never want to predict a loss. It just—it's going to take a good effort. It's going to take a really good effort uh, for us to um, not only just get a point, but to uh, for us, us to muster a win. Optimistically, I would love to see a two to one, but I'd, I'd uh, win. Uh, but I'd be very surprised. Uh, I would still be surprised if, if that ended up being the result. Um, as far as the rest of the matchups go, we have Indy Eleven hosting Minnesota, which is going to be a very fun matchup since Indy actually won against minnesota in the spring at i believe it was at minnesota wait where was it i can check that real quick yeah i'm sorry minnesota they have to go to indy that's right that's right minnesota did have to go to indy um i mean we'll continue to see if indy's for real or if minnesota is is kind of turning the corner considering that they are probably the most talented squad in the nasl right now uh i would love to see minnesota win um for nothing for the fact outside of just indie fans are getting very full of themselves. Uh, so it'd be kind of fun to uh, have, them, you know, hush up a little bit. Uh, if I had to put a score line, maybe I would love to see maybe like a three, one Indy, I'm sorry, three to one Minnesota, uh, but would not be surprised. If it was more about three, two Minnesota, but either way, Minnesota should be doing this one. Uh, just though Minnesota, I mean, they've been fairly crummy um, uh, on the road. Uh, this year. But we'll see. We'll we'll see if, if they're ready to turn that corner. We also have Miami FC hosting New York Cosmos. Now, Miami FC uh, hosting New York Cosmos, this was the only road match. The Cosmos actually won last season, and they crushed Miami. I forgot what the scoreline was, but I think it was like 3-0 or 3-1, something like that. Uh, but expect the Cosmos to just blow over Miami. Next up, we have Ottawa hosting Rio. Now, again, Ottawa... Uh, they've been kind of about an average home team, seventh best home team. Uh, but as far as OKC goes, they've been a really good away team. Uh, I'm probably going to see OKC maybe squeaking by, you know, maybe two to one or two nothing against Ottawa. Since again, Ottawa they're going to be without Payzer after a game suspension, so I might lean more towards that two nothing scoreline for OKC. Last up, we have FC Edmonton hosting Fort Lauderdale Strikers. And again, Edmonton at home—they've been definitely taking care of business as the third best home team. Um, they're going to be again playing. Sorry, I lost my spot real quick. They're going to be playing Fort Lauderdale Strikers, who have been a uh, well the number one away team. We'll see if Strikers are getting a little bit fatigued um, after having to play a few extra U.S. Open Cup matchups. That's a very long travel as well. So Fort Lauderdale all the way up to FC Edmonton. It's, I don't even want to calculate how many miles of a trip that is. So I'm going to expect that the road trip is going to kind of catch up with Fort Lauderdale a little bit, and FC Edmonton uh, pulls off a one nothing victory against Fort Lauderdale. Um, don't be surprised if Fort Lauderdale uh, can actually do it. Just, again, I'm predicting Edmonton, uh, since they have been a really good home-to-home team uh, to this point uh, anyways. So that takes a look at Week 2 of the fall season. Uh, let's see what actually ends up happening, and good luck to everybody. Again, Redhawks, for the love of soccer, please turn yourselves around. I mean, this this is getting very, very, very old. Um, I mean, the last thing I want to do before I take a very quick break is just you know to call out where the overall standing is at right now on the on the table. So right now in the I don't want to talk about fall because it's way too early, but on the combined standings at least. Cosmos reclaimed first place at 21 points with Minnesota and Indy currently tied in second place with 19 points. In fourth place is Edmonton with 18. Tampa's in fifth with 17. Strikers in sixth with 16. Our Relhawks, surprisingly, mid-table, in seventh place at 14 points. Uh, it's crazy to think that we're only four points away from a playoff spot despite how we have 14 points. 12 of those 14 points came in the first four weeks of the season. We've only picked up two points in the last, what, seven weeks of play. <sighs> yeah, I'm sorry. I It's it's mildly my to severely frustrating. Uh, in eighth place is Rayo in, with 13 points. Ottawa at ninth place with nine points. Jacksonville in 10th place with eight points. Um, also tied in 10th place is Miami with with eight points. And Puerto Rico FC huge embarrassment if any team gets eclipsed by puerto rico uh, puerto rico obviously they've only played one game so they only have one point so in the combined standings well they have one point their last place so good luck to puerto rico jumping any team would be very uh embarrassing for any team that they actually jump considering that they did get a 10 game disadvantage uh, hey with our relaxed trajectory uh puerto rico just really needs to be about 500 and they could potentially jump us uh, and i will uh be very sad if that actually happens Alright, so we're going to take a quick break, and on the other side we're going to talk about a couple of tournaments going on across the world right now. Alright, well, see you guys in a second. Come on, Relic Scoreboard! Back to the next segment of Off the Rails podcast, where we're going to talk about some tournaments going on not only here in our own country with the US Open Cup, but also internationally since we have the Euro Cup still going on. So, first, let's talk about the US Open Cup. We have two NASL teams still trying to play for a potential championship in their 2016 campaign. Those two teams being the Cosmos, who had to take on New England Revolution. As well as Fort Lauderdale Strikers, who had to go on the road to play Orlando City SC. So, the Cosmos. Let's talk about that matchup first. They had to host New England Revolution, but this time not at their natural, uh, I guess, home, of, adopted home, of Hofstra. So, in the NASL season itself, Cosmos have been undefeated in Hofstra. Um, being perfect, so not only just not losing, but literally being perfect with wins. Having to go away from Hofstra, maybe they lost a little bit of that, of that karma and mojo, um, who knows, but they did fall to England Revolution 2-3. The uh, Fort Lauderdale Strikers, they were able to fare much, much better. They were able to beat the Orlando City FC 2-1, to one, and though it took a little extra time, PCs had the winning goal to prevent the PKs, and Fort Lauderdale Strikers, because of that win, and being the last NASL team still alive in the U.S. Open Cup, they also get $15,000 worth of prize money. So great job for them. Uh, maybe they could work on a little bit of that local marketing to get some more uh, butts in the seats uh, with that f- uh, extra $15,000. I mean, who knows what they're going to be doing with that. Um, but good job for them carrying on that NASL banner and uh, continuing on in the U.S. Open Cup. So hopefully all NASL fans alike will get a chance to put their... Um, rooting favor behind the strikers since they are the last NASL team still alive. So the other games that had a chance to transpire in the U.S. Open Cup, no particular order. Columbus Crew they were able to beat Chicago. I'm sorry, Columbus Crew fell to Chicago Fire on the road. So it was Fire did, they did win at home, um, two to one. The Philadelphia Union hosting New York Red Bulls were able to win two to one. So. Union goes on, and again, just like as mentioned a second ago, fire, they are much, on too. Other games to mention we have the Houston Dynamo hosting Sporting KC, and they were in a winner, so another home team winning. We had the FC Dallas hosting uh, Colorado Rapids, and I believe Colorado Rapids were still standing first place in MLS at the time, so they did fall. They're out of the US Open Cup, so I guess they'll be just putting that much more attention to winning the MLS. So yet again, another home team winning. Really? The only road teams that that lost up to this point were the two teams involving NASL teams. Um, so take that for what it's worth. Uh, I, well, I guess looking at the very bottom, the very end of the bracket, uh, we did have some road road wins. So uh, the uh, Real Salt Lake, they were going to be hosting Seattle Sounders and in penalty kicks. Uh, after being tied 1-1 in regulation, Seattle, Seattle Sounders crushed the penalty kicks, winning 4-1 in PKs over salt lake moving on and the final game to mention in regulation time the galaxy on the road were able to take on portland timbers and win one to nothing so after those results these are the matchups for the quarterfinals and these quarterfinals will be played on july 20th so a little bit of a wait before we'll uh, see how the advancement of the us open cup will be going on but new england revolution they're going to be hosting a philadelphia uh, philadelphia union we also have Chicago Fire hosting Fort Lauderdale Strikers. Now, Strikers—they're going to go for their third road win in a row. Um, again, third road win in a row versus an MLS team is what they're hoping for. The other side of the bracket, we have Houston Dynamo in an in-state matchup versus FC Dallas, and then finally, a West Coast matchup of LA Galaxy versus Seattle hosting Seattle Sounders FC. So good luck to all the teams that still remain in the U.S. Open Cup. Again, I'll definitely be rooting for the Fort Lauderdale Strikers to continue on that NASL banner as far as they could possibly go. Um, I don't know in my recent memory if, it, if a NASL team has made the semifinals, at least for a heck of a long time. Uh, but as far as I've been following the Rollocks, at least, I don't believe I've seen it happen. Um, at least since around 2011 or so. and. Recent, I think, I think we've seen a couple times teams have made the quarterfinals, but unfortunately not beyond that. All right, so we'll, again, we'll see who makes the final four after July twentieth. The other big tournament to talk about, um, this definitely has some personal implications, but the other big tournament to talk about is the UEFA Euro Cup, which has been definitely very exciting. So where we left off last time, I had mentioned where teams were standing around the round of sixteen. Um, and as teams were playing into the quarterfinals, so again the quarterfinal matchups we were just privileged to following was um, Poland and Portugal, where Portugal ended up winning in PKs after being tied one to one in regulation. Uh, Portugal was able to win five to verse or five to three in PKs. No Ronaldo sc- uh, goal in regulation in this particular matchup. Now the big. Upset of the quarterfinals was Wales beating Belgium. Again, the golden age of the Belgian team uh, did fall to Wales, and I surprisingly, well, one of the Wales goals, uh, Welsh goals, yeah, Welsh goals, uh, was not um, was not uh, Bale. Uh, so the fact that Bale did not score on a, a three-goal game by by Wales was uh, well, I guess surprising. But Wales marches on to face Portugal in the semis. So that'd be a fun matchup. Uh, probably the winner of that stuff is gonna be the underdog in the finals because in the finals we definitely have some big dogs. So one of the quarterfinal matchups was Germany v Italy definitely the match of the quarterfinals. It was back and forth very emotional one one in regulation and then in pKs Germany was able to win six to five after going down a little bit Germany was able to get back so I mean Italy they they had a golden opportunity um, where all they had to do yeah a golden opportunity where all they had to do was was make a save. Uh, I don't know. It just it did went back and forth. It was a very emotional um, uh, PK shoot up. But Germany did win to march on to the semis. And then last up, probably the most lopsided matchup, not only in scoreline but expectation, was France crushing Iceland. Give Iceland credit though. They did not give up. Even being down three to nothing at halftime, and then I think four nothing, they did claw back and end up making a scoreline of five to two. So they did give a heroic effort, getting a couple goals. Uh, which matched their highest goal output um, in any particular game. But again, good job for them um, for for trying their best with it. And again, making a historical run uh, for the the country of Iceland. But that puts France in the semifinals versus Germany. So now we have Portugal v. Wales will play the winner of Germany-France. I would probably say Germany is going to be the hands-down favorite of the tournament right now, Though France, they put on a very strong performance against Iceland. And I really feel Ger- the winner of Germany-France is going to be a, a, a very strong favorite in the finals. But do you know what? Wales, you, you can't put it past uh, Ronaldo. And, and I'm sorry, Ronaldo for Portugal and Bale for Wales. So that's going to be a fun matchup uh, seeing those two uh, rock stars really, really go at, at each other in the semifinals. Uh, but they're, the winner of that will definitely be the underdogs versus Germany or or France. As a reminder, the implication, personal implication, I was alluding to earlier, going into the Euro Cup, um, I had proposed to my well, I literally proposed to my girlfriend, who's not my fiance, um, but we were saying that our honeymoon uh, should be the, the winner of the Euro, of the Euro Cup. So we have it da- now. are down to uh, to four teams. So uh, the uh, agreement with that, at least, was that if we're doing it about, you know, I think like a nine or. I think we're aiming for about nine-day honeymoon or so, um, that we're going to have to spend at least five days in the winner uh, of the Euro Cup. Uh, and then we could you know, decide what everyone would want to do with the other uh, four days or so. Um, but as it stands right now, if we end up doing Portugal, obviously Spain would be a good opportunity to see another country. If Wales ends up winning... Oh, and with Portugal, uh, my fiance, she she's been to Spain. She's been to Portugal. I've never been, uh, but at least she would kind of have a good idea of recommendations of places to go. So that's one good incentive for Portugal uh, taking it all. Now, if Wales ends up winning, um, my fiance, she's a, a pretty big Doctor Who fan, and they actually have a pretty, I put it here in Cardiff, they have a pretty neat Doctor Who exhibit um, right there in Wales. So I think that would be a huge incentive for her to try to see Wales win and getting a chance to venture over to England. Um, would probably uh, be a pretty fun destination. We might, eat, if not England, we might cross the channel and uh, check out uh, one, one of the Irelands. Um, but on the other side, Germany. I, I think out of all the four teams remaining, I think we're both kind of pulling for Germany the most since it is very centrally located. It gives us it gives us some great options of a second country to visit. Uh, but I've had uh, my dad. My dad. He's been to Germany before, and we have um, you know a friend or two that's from Germany uh, that I'm sure can give some good recommendations. Uh, because of some pretty cool places to go there, as far as France goes, um, at least on my on my fiancee's side, I think that's her least favorite of amongst the four. To me, I think it would be a pretty cool opportunity to see France and um, have, probably have some really good food. And I guess depending on where you're going, I've heard that parts of it's overrated, uh, but I think it'd be a pretty cool place to check out. And again, it's pretty fairly central-ish located to still have some good secondary options of other countries to check out. So again, next um, semifinal matchup will be on uh, Wednesday afternoon and Thursday afternoon with the finals on Sunday. So by this time, next week, we'll I'll, I'll know where I'm going on my honeymoon and everyone else will know the winner of that Euro Cup. So, yeah, I really appreciate everyone joining on this week's episode, checking out not only how week one of the fall season went, but also taking a quick little check-in on how some major tournaments are faring as well. Everyone take it easy, and again, thanks for listening. I'll catch you guys next week. Bye.